It's February 2nd, 2009, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. This month makes it three years since I started this show, and I'm so pleased that I'm still here. I never thought about how long the show was going to be around when I started it, and I just knew that it was something that I needed to do and make happen. I didn't have any doubt that it would be successful, it was just a matter of me putting all the pieces together and making it happen, and the rest would take care of itself. And so, here we are three years later and still going strong. Who would have thunk? Before we move on to our, our interview, I want to thank those of you who have supported me in the show by purchasing my DVD, Digital Photography, Available Light and Flash. It's been great to see the response and feedback I've gotten. Because of the delay in getting this episode up, I'm extending the deadline for that special promotional price to listeners of the Candid Frame until February 15th. Uh, just use the promo code CANDID and you'll receive 20% off the sale of the DVD. There's a link for ordering and viewing the trailer on the website. And I want to extend a special thanks to my recent guest, Jim Motke, who is offering a special promotion to new students of Better Photo to the audience here at the Candid Frame. You can receive $20 off registration when you sign up for any course at betterphoto.com, where I and other professional photographers teach on almost every conceivable topic regarding photography, including people, nature, wildlife, sports, and more. Just input the words BP Candid Frame and you'll receive that, that discount. And you can do so by just visiting the site at betterphoto.com. Now, today's guest is Chris Marquardt, who many of you no doubt already know. As host of Tips from the Top Floor, he has been a big inspiration to photographers from all over the world and inspired many many of us, including me, to become a podcaster. What some of you may not know is that Chris was a desk jockey when he started that show. He was working for HP at a normal 9 to 5 before he, he launched a career as a professional photographer. And considering our topic for this year about living a photographic life, I thought he would be a perfect guest to discuss what that process was for him since the transition from enthusiast to professional wasn't that long ago. And I thought it would provide us an interesting insight into a man whose voice has become very, very familiar to us. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Chris Marquardt. Well, welcome to the show, Chris. It's it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on here. It's cool to be with you. It's yeah. wonderful. I was one of the early adopters of your show, and you helped inspire me to do this one. You know, oh, and I think it was only a couple of... Probably only about two or three months after I started listening to you that I actually said, well, let me give this thing a go. And, and, it, and it wasn't that hard, was it? <laughs> no, no, no. It's been, you know, more work to just to maintain it after three years. That's, that's where it gets really, really difficult sometimes to, to stick to it, to be regular. And I just had a bit of a break uh, over the holidays, but back full speed now. Oh, and it's good to see and hear you, you know, on the <laughs> up on the internet. I think it's quite amazing that I had a bit uh, of a transition of the show. And initially, when I started in uh, 2005, it was just audio, and then 
um, for the last more, more than a year now I've been starting to add in more video which yeah it's just it's just a medium that is also that always has been interesting for me and now I find that um, with with a lot of help from friends um, who are professional in this field I'm, I'm starting to get the hang of it and I'm starting to get better at it and some things around photography are easier shown than just told mm-hmm well, when you started the show, you were working at Hewlett Packard. What got you to even think about doing a photography, you know, <laughs> podcast? How were you qualified to do to do this job? I do not have any formal education, so I'm probably the least qualified person. Um, no, I've I've always been in the in the sort of the creative field. But even before I started with Hewlett Packard, I was um, I was doing photography since I was. 12 or something. I think I had my first SLR when I was, when I was 14. Um, I was also always in music in some way. I was a musician, uh, not a professional musician, but uh, played a lot of different instruments and stuff. And um, I actually didn't plan to work for Yield Packard. I planned to become um, an officially qualified sound engineer originally. And that was well. <laughs> it it just turned out that um, there, there was a sort of weird ear disease in my family for generations, and there was too much of a chance that I would also get this. So I pretty, on on very short notice, kind of decided to not go that route and go into the other area that I was also interested in. That was uh, computer science. So I ended up doing that for quite a long time but I never stopped doing the other things on the side and then and then uh, a few years ago when I f- finally was sacked, when I finally was laid off I ended up um, doing go- going fully self-employed and, and I, I had no choice back then and that was a good thing for me to happen, it was b- basically a kick in the butt to to get this going, yeah, but, um, but I was asking specifically about starting the the, the podcast because you were you were still at Hewlett Packard when you started the podcast, right? I was, yeah, yeah, I was, and, and that was that was actually a, quite a stretch sometimes because when I started off, I actually produced three shows a week, um, which I thought was easy, but um, then after a while, it turned out to become more and more difficult just because I had to do this outside of my job on the weekends and in the evenings and um, what helped me a lot was that with my background in music and audio production I I basically had the skill set and the tools ready to do the recording so the technical side of the whole thing was never an issue for me um, and the creative side sure I mean that's that's you, you grow with the show as well by teaching others you also grow so that was also for me a real good growth experience but doing it on the side next to my job um, was a bit of a stretch sometimes but it it has it has shown that that having done it this way was really the right thing to do because um, I, I couldn't have just jumped and and done the podcast without anything else because uh it's just not really easy to make big bucks with a podcast and I'm still making <laughs> no money with my podcast at all. Maybe a few bucks here and there with uh, some advertisers, but um, that's just enough to offset the, the cost of the infrastructure. Yeah, I remember so, listening to those to those early shows and just being fascinated by 
um, not only just podcasting, but your whole approach, which was just very, you know, you're very approachable and amenable over the over the radio. And I think uh, oftentimes when people think of people teaching photography, they come off as very maybe pedantic or very formal. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the things that people were drawn to you by was that the, how you just were very relaxed and open about sharing what you what you knew and i think that's been one of the reasons why your show has has been you know so successful and and because it's just because it's so engaging yeah i don't i don't believe in information hogging i've i've worked with in, in my in quotes professional life in in the time when i used to work for a big corporation i've met enough people who were not giving away their information who were trying to protect their stakes by um by hiding information and that's just not the way i i i work it's uh, what i've found is that if you are open if you share everything um it'll 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 come back to you in some way it'll uh, it's it's a bit of a i guess i call this my karma approach it's a bit of a uh an, uh, a savings account kind of thing you yeah. <laughs> You pay in, you you give things away, and things come back, and it's it's really turning, it's really starting to pay off in terms of um, people. People trust me because I trust them. I give them the information. I don't hold anything back, and um, people want to, for example, now come to my my workshops and stuff. So that that's how this works from an economical point of view. Yeah, I think it's that's one of the big. I, the way I see it, that's a big reason for your success is that. That willingness to be generous with other people, with not having the direct expectation that they're going to pay you for this knowledge or this information, has built builds a loyalty. Um, it does in a way, even even though I never really planned it. I, it was never a planned thing. It, was, it kind of organically happened. Same with the workshops, by the way. That um, I, I never intended to make to do any workshops and to to teach anyone face to face. But it was basically the listeners who started uh, requesting workshops. They asked me, "When can we, when can we meet you live? When can we do a live workshop of some sort?" And that's when I, uh, back in 2006, I started doing that first workshop. And the participation was just—I think there were 12, 13 people—and uh, two of them came over for that workshop from the United States to Germany. And I think two or three came from the UK, and that and that's when it clicked with me. That's when I understood that there is actually uh, th- there's actually a market there. Mm-hmm. There's actually um, something that might make it possible for me to, um, yeah, to <laughs> I was I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking of um, making this one of my main uh, source of income, but it's kind of going there yeah. I'm still doing other production work and things but the workshops are really the thing that is is most fun to me it's really fun to to see people learn and to to see people um, improve over time and, and take some information home with them yeah well, one of the things that people who have been listening to you may not know depending on how long they've been listening to you is that you were working full time at Hewlett Packard and then you got let go and I, I was remember, laid off, yeah. Yeah, and I remember listening to your show when you had mentioned that, and you were thinking, thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? And you, <laughs> di- and, dis- and you discussed openly on the show about trying to make it a go as, as, as a photographer, you know, full time. And I think I that's was very apropos about 
what's happening for a lot of people now and it's like I wanted to talk to you more about in retrospect now you know what it took for you to make that choice and to actually commit to it because it's not an easy thing to do well it was clear to me that I wanted to be in the creative field and that it, that it had to do something it, it it needed to be something around photography because um, um, having worked in, in a large corporation, um, they they basically take whatever whatever they can get from you. And um, I wanted to, to do something that gave me a lot of energy back. And obviously that is something, um, the creative field does that for me. So it was clear to me that it had to be something in photography, but it wasn't really um, 100% clear where this would go. And I think one of the things that really helped me to make it work is that I always kept an open mind about, um, or an open and flexible mind about where this could go. I was always open, um, and I am still open, looking for opportunities and looking for um, areas that this might move in. And I'm, I'm not really afraid anymore of um, changing the direction a bit. I mean, if you... Uh, you've listened to Tips on the Top Floor a long time, so you've uh, seen this show evolve and and change over time. And uh, I think you 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 should be afraid of things changing. Change is a good thing. Change is something that well, we need stability, but also change is a good thing. I've I'm, I embraced that thought of um, of change when I was laid off. That um, that gave me a, a bit of a hard time for. At least several minutes, <laughs> and and then and then it, it very early clicked with me that okay, wait a minute, you are thirty-seven years old, you are it's still enough, plenty of time to to start something new, and in retrospect, that was the best thing that ever happened to me my my whole life. Just to be forced out of this uh, out of the security, out of the out of the safe uh, monthly income and things like that. Yeah. Just it, it 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 also freed energies within me that I didn't know were there. You know, it's it's once once you're in, in a crisis sort of situation, you end up yeah you you end up mobilizing energies and and stuff that that you just weren't aware of. Do you think there's something special about you that allowed you to do that? Because a lot of people come to that choice. And especially when people look at you now, Chris, they see your podcast, they see that you're teaching workshops, you're on the radio with Leo Laporte, you know, you go to all these shows, your your name, your voice is recognized all over the world. And people look at you and go, yeah, that guy could do it, you know? Because they look at you as having already done it, you know? Oh, but is is the question if 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 there is something special about my personality that allows me yeah, to do I that? Mean, do you think people look at it often? Look at people who have mm-hmm. achieved that success, and they go, "Well, those people obviously have something special about them." That oh, okay, them I to see. Do it. And maybe, and I've just lost my job, and I don't think I could do that. You know, because only certain types of people can do that. Do you believe that that that's true, or no? I don't. Uh, hmm, that's a very good question. I mean. I am uh, the sort of outgoing kind of person, and but but I wasn't always that way. It's 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 interesting. I think I think being self-employed actually changed me in some ways. Um, I when I talk to people now, I am much more um, 
yeah, I'm I'm a bit more aggressive. I I tell them what I do. I tell them about my project. I do a lot more networking kind of activities now than I used to do. I was more the quiet type. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> people when I tell people that they they it's hard for them to believe that knowing me now, but um I was more the quiet type. I wasn't really talking a lot about what I was doing and what I was into and and now it's I mean, I, I talk to someone about photography. I tell them about projects. I mention the photography. They they seem interested. So I, I whip out the iPhone. I, sh- I show them pictures. I have pictures with me. So I basically show them my work and things. And just doing that, just the networking, just talking to people has has brought new opportunities in. But I wasn't that way. It's, it's just something that I sort of um, yeah, had to force myself into a bit and... Um, and the, and the actual, actual practice of talking a lot in front of the microphone, um, yeah, that kind of helps get this going as well. So I don't think it really needs. Uh, you, I wasn't born this way, you know. It mm-hmm. doesn't need any anyone to be. Uh, you you can become that way. You can, uh, and I don't think you even have to become that way. Because everyone is is their own personality, and everyone has their own sides to them that luckily make everyone different. I mean, wouldn't it be awful if everyone was always <laughs> always yeah. the same? I was thinking about this uh, in the last couple of days. I'm teaching a, a class at Art Center, and and I'm having each, uh, every periodically the students get up and talk about their work, you know. And there's a certain awkwardness about doing it, you know, and and yesterday I had them do that and then at, right after that I had them say I told them okay now let's talk for two minutes about something that you're passionate with, about that has nothing to do with photography and they just started yammering and just talking about cats <laughs> and food and all this other stuff and I went do you notice a difference you know you guys were were you know kind of a little uptight when we came to talking about your work but when you started talking about cats or food you guys were just like yeah you know you know you had you, you know you can feel you, you didn't have any problem filling up those two minutes and i noticed it's like when you're passionate about something you know you become a lot less self-conscious about talking about it you know and you're very generous about sharing you know sharing stories about that even if they don't color you in a particularly ideal light you know and i think that that that's what happens you know and how you become naturally a, a, a salesman without knowing it because by sharing your passion about something very openly and very generously you get to sort of infect other people with that passion because a lot of people don't have that in their lives all the time and all of a sudden you walk into the room and you're talking about photography in a really passionate way you can't help but sell them on it. Even if, even if they don't, you know, sign up for your workshop or, or or something, they're struck by you, you know, because you usually, through the course of your normal day, you're not talking with people a lot that have that talk with talk in that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and the, and the passion. I mean that 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 is probably key because um, there's no point move, trying to move into a field that you're not really passionate about. You will. You will end up having this being your job, but not your passion. And um, combining those two is really where I think the the real, true way lies. The the awkwardness talking about your own um, work and stuff is, uh, I think that that is something that can be overcome with practice. 
that is something that um, you'll just have to do. And um, to be honest, doing doing a podcast is a lot. There's <laughs> a lot of uh, therapeutic value in that for me. <laughs> <laughs> so that that really has helped me to practice a lot to talk about these things. And um, yeah, well now now I can now it's hard to stop me. <laughs> yeah. Well, because you made the leap, though you had a lot of professional experience in in the professional industry, you weren't. Uh, completely prepared for um, running your own business so um, a lot of people are fearful about making that jump because of all the things they don't know but you made the leap anyway and there are a lot of things that you didn't know how, oh. did, how did you manage to contend with you know trying to keep a roof over your head you know a, a studio running with all the things that you were discovering that you didn't know um, I, I think I've I've almost become uh, addicted to learning new stuff. Uh, the the feeling to have learned a new skill in some way is it's it's just the best for me. So um, when I did my first workshop, <clears throat> it was I was scared of it. I was scared as hell. And then this thing went well. And the next one, I was more more uh, sure about how to run it. Um, and that's the same with with starting your own business. You, <clears throat> you, uh, yeah, you have to learn things. You have to talk to a lot of people. You have to find out how these things go. You have to make mistakes to learn. And um, actually, what I did in order to help myself sort my thoughts and and get everything um, sort of organized in my brain was um, that I actually started to do a podcast about it. So. I um, I think I did, let me see, probably some 20, 22 episodes of a podcast called Up to the Top Floor, um, where, I, where, I, where I really just talked about these things and this way helped, them, helped myself uh, structure them. I talked about losing my job. I talked about does pondering help. Uh, I talked about how to organize things when I um, started using a technique I learned back then in my job, which was mind mapping, so it helped me organize the, the things in a, in a better way for me um, I took people on the sort of quotes the trip to um, uh, to find the, the office space that I needed and um, the, the what helped me in the beginning was that I had my own business already uh, I had had that already for two years before I was laid off so I kind of was at least slightly prepared and I already had a bit of a customer base but but putting all that into a podcast and and, and, and yeah telling people and letting people participate um, helped me to force myself through the motions of organizing everything and uh, making sure I think about the right things and then I also got some some comments back some feedback from people some tips some inputs through that which also helped a lot. So it's, it's it has been a bit of an adventure, and um, just talking about it again, practicing the talking, yeah. was and ended up being being a lot of help there. Yeah, I think that um, the community that you ended up creating around the Tips from the Top Floor podcast is the very community that helped you know, help your boat rise. You know, in terms of your your efforts in terms of being a photographer and a workshop leader and you know and and everything else i think you may not have intended that originally 
but it was that 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 network you that you created yes. as a result of the show that allowed you to to be able to succeed. Exactly. That's that's that, and and it was absolutely unintentional. It just happened that way, and I, I think one of the reasons happened that way because I. Um, because I am very passionate about what I'm doing here, and I, I'm, I'm always being as much of myself as I can when I record, when I talk to others, when I do the podcasts, and um, that really, I'm, I'm not trying to to fool anyone. I'm not, I'm not uh, <laughs> trying to convince people that I know everything, and um, just be, being a being a, an instructor who is open enough with everyone. So everyone can feel at home. Everyone can feel that, um, yeah, that this is a bit of a, a, a giving exercise for both sides. You know, is is really, um, I, th- I think that that helped create that level of trust that I'm that I'm getting, and that helps mm-hmm. me, that helps me um, fill the workshops. Yes. Yeah, it must be interesting to you. I know it is for me to realize that you have people listening to you literally all over the world. <laughs> yes. <you that's> know? <laughs> That's always that's always amazing. I, I had that back back uh, when I started the show, um, and I, after a while, realized that people were uh, listening in from all over the world. I had people send me intros for the show. Hey, this is such and such from such and such. Uh, listening to tips from a top floor, and, and I had all those little intros. I still have them somewhere on my hard disk, um, which was also an interesting exercise. To maybe I should do that again, actually. That was a lot of fun because it really also helped everyone else um, who listens to the show understand how connected they are with everyone else who's listening to the show. It's kind of a, a look at that. Someone from Peru, someone from uh, Finland, someone from North Carolina. It's, it was really interesting to get all those all those voices on there. Yeah, I just started a Facebook group, you know, and... Mm. And I knew people from all over the world were listening to the show, but as people are signing up for that, I'm seeing where these people are, you know? And it, it it just blows my mind, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Costa Rica, you know? And I'm like, you know, for a guy who does his show often is in, in his pajamas, it's very, <laughs> it's, it's very amazing to think that there are people out there listening to my voice all over the world. I, it is it is amazing. I, uh, I think until two, two years ago, I had this thing, this little uh, map gadget on my on my uh, pod, on my podcast website that that people could sign up for and place their pin on the map, and that mm-hmm. gave you a bit of a of a visual map where people are located. And oh well, yeah. well, I, but isn't isn't that the fun thing about podcasting? You 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 do have you you have the infrastructure. It's just there. It's uh, the internet is. A huge big broadcast network now. Yeah, and I'm just waiting to hear from that one listener in Antarctica. You know, once, <laughs> once, once I hear I got a listener in Antarctica, I know I've made it. Then you can stop podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't go that far. <laughs> but let, let's let's talk a little bit about how um, your business has changed, especially in the last year and a half. I mean, you always had a large audience. The last time I remember you talking about it was a while ago. I think you. You had well over ten thousand listeners, and I suspect it's probably even even higher now. But, uh, but yes, yeah. So you know, there was what what was sort of the big catalyst for you that, that you allowed you to really sort of take off? Because I think part of what can happen in, in a photographic business is is that 
if you don't create opportunities to grow, it can stagnate very easily and you can and you can burn out. But from what I'm observing, um, you're 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 really growing and I can see how it's building and building and building, which is is ideal. But what what do you think was sort of the triggering point that really allowed you to be to, to just become more than just a podcaster who shoots and, and teaches workshops, you know, and and is, you know, and, and allowed it to blossom as much as it has. Uh, I'm not sure there was this one, this one triggering point there. Um, it, from from my point of view, it really feels like it was a bit of a it was kind of an organic, uh, an organic thing going on, just a continuing uh, growth kind of thing. Um, it has to do with just just doing just keeping doing it first of all i i mean i i had my my show breaks i had my jobs um that and projects that that got in the way of the show but i kept doing it i kept coming back to it i didn't give up on it and over over the over the holidays um i actually at the end of last of the last workshop tour in the us i um uh, I, I kind of lost my voice, and now I'm, I'm still working on getting that back. But <clears throat> just sticking to it, just just keeping doing it, um, has really helped. What what also helps uh, now now that we are in, in a time of uh, economic downturn um, is that I tend to take time off to lean back to start thinking a bit about where I want to take this and where I maybe don't want to take this um, and this this um, well the first two three months this year are probably going to be very quiet for me um, but it helps me to focus on um, yeah trying to see where this goes and and, and moving it in the right direction so um, right now I'm um, basically I heard that in a some someone said that from a I think it it was what was it on one of Lee Laporte's shows and and they had this this financial guy on and they talked about the the economy and um, what they said and I can only second that is um, in, in, in times like these um, you have to invest in yourself you have mm. to to start setting yourself up for um, to to be there when the economy comes back. And I mean, very simple, easy things. I've just um, spent uh, two days to come up with what I've always wanted to do, chrismarkward.com, basically my own website, oh, the website about this guy. Because because I always had the websites, tips from the topfloor.com, that was my podcast, and I had happyshooting.de, which is the German podcast, and then there's topfloorproductions.de, which is my company's website. But nothing that really holds that together, no umbrella. And uh, one of the things that I th I thought I need is okay. Where does this come together? It just it comes together with me, with the person, because I'm I'm the one who who kicked all these things off. So um, I basically just it's a very simple page. It's basically a link collection. It's not much more. I put a photo portfolio on there. I put a video portfolio on there. Um, I I link to my workshop sites. I link to my um, to my um, business side, I link to my social media presences on, on Facebook, on Twitter, and so on. So, basically, 
that's what it is. It's not much there, but in in the future, this is supposed to grow. In the future, that will probably I will pull in little snippets like the last blog entries and last things. I started to diversify a bit more. Where I, where I used to be more just just in quotes just a podcaster. Um, I've uh, diversified more in in direction of blogging. I've been blogging more because I. First of all, some of the things are easier written down and, and it's easier to read them again than just listening to them. Uh, and then people just need different media that they um, that they learn from. Some people just don't learn from listening. They, they prefer reading. Yeah. Um, some people prefer the visuals, so I'm doing a bit more video without neglecting the audio shows, hopefully. <laughs> and... All, all that together kind of um, I, I pulled all the links there and the, it's basically again just the link collection but it's, it's it's supposed to grow it's supposed to be the hub um, that leads to all these activities so whoever wants to find out um, what I'm up to what the kind of things are that I'm working on um, chrismarkwart.com is the is basically now the thing and that's that's what I mean with investing in yourself that is something that is going to help me be better set up for the future because um, a lot of people uh, for example I've, I was talking to um, to a guy who owns a company that might want to sponsor my show I've, I used to be signed to Podshow or later on Mevio mm-hmm. with tips from the top floor I'm not anymore so I'm independent again which also means I'm not getting any um, any sponsorship revenues from, from their side anymore I'm not doing the GoDaddy ads anymore and stuff like that. And that basically led me to the point where I thought um, I'd have to get some sponsorship. So I'm open for that now. And uh, luckily, I'm also also getting um, a few requests here and there. So I was uh, talking to someone. And whenever I want to talk about, and this is the networking thing again, I want to talk about what I do, but then... Um, there are so many small, <laughs> small, small construction sites. Here's one. There's one. A lot of things um, basically on in the fire at the same time. Um, it's really hard to do that mm. if you want to give them whatever your your elevator pitch, your one minute pitch or something. Um, so that is a place where I can send people now, and they will instantly see. Oh, those are the five, six, seven things this guy's up to. Yeah. How has your photography changed over the last year? Because I. As a result of you know doing what you do, you've been able to go to different places and not only teach other people photography, but no doubt learn other things from them as well. Um, there's this whole dialogue that you've created around photography. So I'm wondering, you know, how you feel you've changed as a photographer over the last three years as a result of all this work that you've been doing. Oh, I've t- tremendously changed. I mean, <clears throat> the again the the teaching others is um, is probably the best thing you can do if you want to learn a lot so just the, the whole exchange with others has really changed a lot for me and um, I'm, I'm approaching things in slightly different ways now and uh, the 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 workshops and the the income through that has also enabled me to invest in a bit better technology even though I keep telling people it's not the camera it's the photographer but um, it's just a bit more fun if you can enlarge a picture a bit more or if you can bet, get more sharpness and things like that even though that's not really the important part but 
photography has changed well lately i've, I've uh, done a lot um based on hmm, it's it's less opportunistic it's less um oh let me take the camera with me and just see what i find it's more like okay i want to spend this day finding everything about this and this subject going somewhere and documenting it stuff like that um so i've been <laughs> just recently been to uh, some old mines here in Germany that have been closed and unfortunately you, you can't really get on the, onto the area but um, still a lot of um, defunct, uh, desolate industry kind of stuff. I've been really interested in that lately. Um, there's this huge factory in the, in the middle of Germany almost uh, that, that used to produce uh, car tires and um, that's an area with, I think, 20 or 30 buildings that's officially locked down but um, there are ways to sneak in there so um, <laughs> just just finding these kind of things and uh, and then once you're well not just once you're there but before you're there trying to prepare for what you're going to expect there trying to be ready for um, for all the things and and then being there and, and just just and then and then trying to kind of um, find things and depict them in a way that is as close as possible to what you had in mind this is this is one of the changes less opportunistic more um, yeah more more around a purpose yeah well you got a big trip coming up to a very cold place to make pictures so cold, cold and cold and high up yes <laughs> so why don't you tell us about that and and yeah, t tell us about that. What's happening? Um, well, that that is actually along the lines of a, a a change that is kind of happening overall to this show and especially to the workshops around it. Um, I'm trying to go more into the area of not just workshops where you learn about photography, but workshops where you um, learn in a very specific and um, very special setting. So when, when I was approached by John Miller, who's the, the host of The Rest of Everest, the video podcast about uh, Mount Everest and about Nepal and about Tibet, um, who happens to be a friend of mine, we, we met through podcasting and we turned to friends and um, he asked me if I wanted to come to uh, Everest Base Camp to teach a workshop. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it doesn't happen every day that someone approaches you with uh, with such an idea. And I instantly said, yes, obviously, sure. Let's let's try to do something. And, and he's looking, he's also looking at opportunities um, to to move um, to, to to move away from his job, basically. I mean, um, no, I'm not, no, I don't really think he's doing that, but he's trying to see other things around his job, you know. Same as I did with Hewlett Packard when I, when I started the podcasting on the side. So he asked me if I wanted to come up there, and it, it, we, we discussed it, and we did some development there and some planning, and ended up um, making that into a workshop for 10 participants. And we'll um, basically do, it's called the Everest trek and we'll we'll do a we'll, we'll meet with the group of 10 people in Kathmandu we'll take a plane up to Lukla which is a small airport in the in the Nepali area and and then we'll do a a hike this whole trip will take about 3 weeks and we have a very limited group just for the fact that 
it, w- it will be a very special uh, adventure and experience for everyone on board and it can't be a special uh, a special thing if there are too many people around so we limited it to 10 people and um the, the interesting thing was that um we we our expectations we didn't know what to expect so um we started talking a bit about it on our shows and uh, and then we started announcing the date when we would open the registrations and it was sold out within one minute. <laughs> oh, my God. One minute. Uh, John opened the web page for the sign-up page and the form, and um, people must have been sitting at their computer waiting for the page to be there, refreshing, and then uh, within 10 minutes it was sold out. Within uh, within one minute it was sold out. Within two minutes it was sold out uh, for a second time. So we, we have now, I think, over 30... Um, registrations obviously only 10 can go but uh, there's a slight chance that we might do that again next year <laughs> yeah likely so, what, so it's, what's it's, sorry go, go ahead no, go ahead I'm sorry um, I, I just I just want to say that those kind of things that are that, that are out of the norm that are a bit extraordinary are um, I, I'm really I'm really starting to like those a lot and uh, the, the Nepal trek, the Everest trek, has shown that. And the other thing that I'm, there are a few more. There's a, there's one in fall here in Germany that's called the Abbey Adventure, which is going to be in an old abbey, which is has been remodeled into a kind of a seminar uh, type of um, operation, but it's it's uh, it's an old place um, that dates back to the 1300s. So. Um, um, I'll hold a workshop there. And the other one that I'm really looking forward to is in, in fall, yet to be announced fully and open for registrations. But in fall, I'll do a workshop titled Brooklyn Cooking. What we're going to do is uh, I know uh, a chef in New York, Chef Mark. He's uh, also a podcaster. And um, we will together hold a, a combined cooking and food photography workshop. So basically, that um, targets the target audience for that is um, couples. One is a photographer, mm. one is a cook. So we'll we'll have two tracks going on in parallel, and while the one half of the workshop learns to cook special things, uh, the other half will learn how to make those things look good in photography. And then every now and then, those tracks will meet. And now let's let's take pictures of starters. Let's take pictures of soup. Let's so and so on. Um, and we're adding some special events around that, like the day before the workshop will uh, offer the participants, um, well, Chef Mark will uh, do shopping on a, on a farmer's market. So we'll, we'll basically, the cooks can go with him to shop there uh, in order to yeah, learn about how to judge quality of food and things like that. And at the same time, I will take the, the other group, the photographer's group to that same market and um, we'll do street photography. So there, there are a lot of interesting things coming up, and um, that idea to combine those two into one workshop, um, um, I, I'm already seeing some interest in that. So I hope that this will this will fly. It's an experiment again. Chris, you've just convinced a bunch of people to sit poised in front of the computers for hours, their hands trembling over the mouse to make sure that they're one of the few people that get into that. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm, but, uh, but but again, I've, I've, the other thing I've just shown you is that example of talking about your projects. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, uh, obviously, obviously, I, I would be happy if a few of your listeners would also be interested in that. Obviously, um, but yeah. 
do talk about your stuff. Do talk about the projects you do, and, and, and let others know. Because otherwise, how how can you expect them to find you if you don't tell them yeah. where you are? What do you think that the Chris Marquardt from four years ago, who was sitting behind that desk at Hewlett Packard, would make of you now? <laughs> oh, that's a mean question. Uh, I how would I look at myself? Hmm. I would probably not really. The the Chris Marker from back then would probably not believe that today's Chris Marquardt that they are the same person. Chris Marker from back then would probably be way too much in awe, which is totally not necessary. Um. But looking back, those four years. Um, Again, there was not this one moment that changed everything. It was an organic growth kind of thing. So um, I'd say the Chris Marker from back then um, should just do it to get where I am now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a matter of just doing it, you know. It's it, trust your guts. That's that's one of I think one of the most important things I've I learned during that time is um, trust your feelings. Yeah. It's your thing, and if you are enthusiastic about it, if you are passionate about it, um, and if you believe in it, then that's what you what you should do. What your guts tell you, that's what you should make possible. Maybe not um, with a flick of a switch from now, uh, right now, but but maybe uh, it can at least be there as a goal for you to work towards. You know. Yeah. Because well, uh, because whenever whenever I have a, whenever I have a goal in my life, um, I know as soon as I have a goal, I automatically kind of start thinking about how to get there. But if I don't have a goal, if I don't make make things goals for me, and if I don't trust in uh, being able to get there, um, they will never happen. So it's 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 really a matter of doing it and not thinking about maybe doing it someday, but actually going for them for them now. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, the last question I always ask is I ask for a photographer to recommend one other photographer who they think our listeners should uh, check out and explore. So who would that be for you and why? <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> um, one other photographer. I... I honestly don't have a good answer for that. I think I'm I'm not I'm I don't have any specific photographer that I think wow this is the one. Um when it comes to my taste in music it's always been very eclectic and very mixed through all the genres and the same is true with photography so it's really difficult for me to pick anyone there. Um again what I would say is go go look at photography go to whatever smug mug flicker whatever sites look at photographers out there and trust your guts if you like something it's probably something good is there any photographer who you've checked out recently who you maybe not thought that oh this is the best photographer ever but someone whose work you really kind of piqued your interest well um <clears throat> when i when i prepared for a workshop that i held in um in august um in san francisco which was around street photography and i prepared for that and i, I I checked out a lot of different photographers. I ran into this series of 
uh, videos on um, wnyc.org. Let me find that. wnyc.org slash... I think it's slash street shots. No, it's not. Yeah, I know the link. I'll post it up on, uh, on, on the site, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it was a competition in New York of street photographers. It's wnyc.org slash street shots. Oh, it is slash street shots. And yes, it was a competition in New York, and they shot those short video clips and, and videos of different photographers. And um, actually, the, the one photographer that you recently had on your show, Joe Wigfall, that, that was actually uh, Paul Jaguer who interviewed Oh, that him. was Paul Jaguer. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry for mixing you guys up. Um, but this guy was really interesting. I found him very interesting, the way he approaches that whole subject and the way he's also approachable from a Web 2.0, new media, social networking kind of point. Um, he's, on, he's on Flickr. He shows his work there. He's not hiding anything. Um, I, I really, really like that approach. And I like his pictures. I like his photography. Yeah, very cool stuff. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Um, you know, you, you were always served as a big inspiration for me. You continue to do so. And I'm just very pleased as punch to have finally gotten a chance to talk to you on the show. I'm really happy to be on your show. <laughs> Absolutely. I really appreciate the invitation. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of The Candid Frame. If you have any suggestions or comments, email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com. You can also join us at our new Facebook group, and there's a link for that on the blog as well. Till next time, this is Ivarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.